Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 26 weeks, 180 days, 4,320 hours. Yes, time for Elliot Kipchoge to run 2,160 marathons, or Usain Bolt to run just over 1,555,100 metre sprints. Tokyo 2020 is now just six months away. And this is Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. Date for your Olympic diary, the opening ceremony, Friday, the 24th of July. Date for your Paralympic diary, the opening ceremony, Tuesday, the 25th of August. I'm Michael. And I'm John. And in the next half an hour or so, as Michael says, six months to go. But how many medals will Team GB win and where will they finish on the medal table? We'll be talking about that. Also, virtually, we're covering every Olympic sport in this week's pod alone. Sailing, snow sport, judo, badminton, cycling, diving, paracycling. So many sports to get through in the next half an hour or so. You can always contact us at our website, anythingbutfooty.com. On Twitter at anythingbutf, we do enjoy the debate there. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. And don't forget, download, subscribe, and we'd love your review of the podcast as well, especially if we're not talking about the sport you enjoy. You can find us on Apple and Google Podcasts and also on Spotify. Plenty to get through. All those Olympic sports, as John says, plus a non-Olympic sport, netball. They'll get a mention too. (laughs) But we've only got six months to the Games, so we need to crack on on anything but footy. Six months to the Olympics, seven months to the Paralympics. And with just six months to go, the latest medal table predictions have been released. The headlines from this one, the US, it's suggested, will top the medal table for the seventh successive Games. The prediction, 170 medals, including 47 golds. 
China, 70 medals in Rio. The prediction is they will be second in Japan, and that will represent an improvement on their performance in Brazil. Japan expecting a huge home nation bounce. They won a record 41 medals in Rio. That is predicted to increase to 65. Certainly they might enjoy the new and returning sports. I'm talking about karate, baseball, softball potentially as well. The Netherlands, they could be the standout European nation when we get to Tokyo 2020. Their medal tally is expected to go from 19 in Rio to 41 in Tokyo. And look out for them in cycling and sailing. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave Team GB? Second in Rio, 67 medals in 2016. But John, the prediction this time is to be outside of the top five. I was shocked that you hadn't even mentioned us and you mentioned the Netherlands uh, ahead of us, which is uh, interesting, really interesting. But we would potentially, according to Grace Note, the people who go through this and study all of the information, looking at all the world championship performances, European championship performances, people like we do on anything but footy working week in, week out to get to the Olympics. They reckon, as you say, Michael, Team GB will win 42 medals. That's 25 less than we won in Rio, and actually it would be our worst figure at the Olympics since 2004, when Great Britain won 30 medals in Athens. We won 50 or 51, depending on uh, which uh, drugs cheat has been cancelled from Beijing in the last year, uh, and London 65 medals. So it's a, it's a stark difference. Now, UK Sport said last month they were still quietly confident that they could match those 67 medals but those lower expectations will come uh, or those those expectations are coming from sports like track cycling artistic gymnast and rowing and I think we went through this when we did our Tokyo 2020 preview with a year to go Michael and we talked about gymnastics cycling and rowing and we talked all the way through them and looked at who won the gold medals seven uh, medals for gymnastics in its entirety in Rio two golds obviously for Max Whitlock 11 cycling track cycling medals for Great Britain six golds of course there and rowing five medals three golds now we went through all that and said yeah we can't really see the people coming through but we will talk about some performances as people make their way back uh, in the next half an hour or so and throughout the next weeks on anything but footy but I would say the issue and I can see where Grace Note are coming from track cycling gymnastics rowing I don't think there is as many dead certs there for team GB than there was in Rio so apart from Max Whitlock and Laura Kenny who could actually increase her gold medal she won two in Rio and London She could actually win three, potentially, in Tokyo because of a new event. I don't think there's as many dead certs in there. And what we need to see is more surprise medals. But they do come, as we saw in the World uh, Gymnastics Championships in Stuttgart, where Joe Fraser was, of course, world champion for Great Britain uh, in that particular uh, competition. So I think that's where the numbers are lower than they actually should be, I think. Yeah, the other thing I think key to mention here is obviously we're not going to have a a Russian team. We might have some Russian athletes, but we're not going to have a Russian team. And I think the main nations that are going to benefit from that will probably not be Team GB. Their medals, the the Russian medals, will be going, I would imagine, to the nations like China and the US. And I think that gives them an advantage this time around. And then, as I say, you've got European nations like the Netherlands, who I think will really rival Great Britain, uh, the programme that's taking place in many sports across the Netherlands who you know 
considering what a small nation it is and a population uh, a lot smaller, obviously, than Great Britain, really does exceed expectations when you get to that Olympic stage. And as you said, track cycling, six golds, four silver, two bronzes uh, in Rio for Great Britain, rowing, gymnastics, canoeing weighed in with four medals, of course, athletics, two golds, uh, one silver and four bronzes. And I think, obviously, when you look at some of those other sports, I don't think we're going to win medals, Great Britain, that is, in sports like hockey, rugby sevens, tennis, and possibly golf as well. So I think the medal tally across a number of sports, because it was a record-breaking medal tally in terms of the number of sports that Great Britain won medals in as well. I don't think that's going to be the same when we get to Tokyo. But I think and we're going to come on to this when we talk about some of the other performances in in some of the Olympic sports over the, the course of the last seven days or so. I think we could be looking at sports like judo, who won one medal with Sally Conway in, in Rio. Badminton, of course, uh, the guys winning the, the bronze medal in the doubles there, Ellison Langridge. I think we could be looking at sports like judo, uh, sports like badminton, potentially taekwondo as well. Who've obviously, you know, had a fantastic medal return in terms of athletes to, to medals won in Rio. But I think we could be looking at some of those sports to maybe pick up one, two, maybe three medals. And that, I think, is where, you know, Great Britain will will still win a number of medals. But, you know, that medal table is, is based on the gold medal wins, isn't it? And that's why the Netherlands, who are expected, as I said, to go to 41 from 19, might go right. above Great Britain this time. Because I think there might be some more bronzes on the board. And, you know, as I said, some of those sports like, like badminton and judo might weigh in with, with silver and bronze medals. But whether, you know, the gold medals will, will roll in in sports like rowing and cycling and gymnastics... You know, that's very much up for debate at the moment. Yeah, and that's what I say about those dead those dead certs. We don't have a Helen Glover and Heather Stanning in the women's pair, which we did in Rio, and London, which we knew was a dead cert gold medal in the rowing, for example. And that's what we're looking at. But I, I agree with you. I think there are some other sports where we'll win some medals that we're not necessarily predicting. You look at the triathlon. You know, they've got a new event, the team relay. We talked about it in our looking ahead to Tokyo 2020, the, all the new events. You know, suddenly then you've got another chance to win a medal in that event that you might not obviously have got four years ago. Just on, on, on this... Six months before the Rio Olympics, the company did predict that Team GB would finish fifth in the Rio table with 16 golds and 48 medals. So they were nearly 20 medals down from the ending of 67 medals. So, look, UK Sport, Team GB would be happy with the same thing if we finish, if they say we're going to finish with 20, uh, you know, with 42 this time, if we get 20 more than that. That's 62. I think they'll be very, very happy with that for those Olympics. One uh, quick news on the Olympics and Paralympics, which was great to see, Michael. I thought that the government has confirmed that the summer and winter Paralympic Games have been added to the so-called Crown Jewels list of protected sports events. No, they don't sit in the Tower of London and people go and look at them. It means you can watch them on free-to-air television, which means they cannot go behind a paywall to reach the widest possible audience. And going back to Athens 2004, I mentioned that was the worst before potentially uh, from a Team GB point of view. 10 million people watched the Paralympics in Athens and at least 15 consecutive minutes of coverage. By Rio 2016, this had reached 31 million people, an increase of almost 200%. So well done to the government. Don't often say that, to be brutally honest. 
You're listening to anything but footy, the Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. Team GB have been in action, as we've been talking about on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. The Youth Olympics has been taking place in Lausanne in Switzerland. It's just come to an end. Team GB finished with seven medals in total. Now, we brought you news on the last episode of anything but footy of those four ice hockey medals and the speed skating medal in week one as well. So in week two, congratulations to Kirsty Muir, Great Britain's only individual medalist. She won a silver in the freestyle big air competition Olivia Whedon won a bronze in the short track speed skating mixed country relay as well Kirsty's medal coming on the final day an undoubted highlight for Team GB she was chosen as the flag bearer for the closing ceremony now journalist David Eason was in Lausanne he was covering the event for the host broadcaster and he told anything but footy the Swiss success made it memorable for the host nation we did have Swiss heroes and heroines actually which which kind of stood out and made it part of the games and made it impressive in Switzerland itself um, Amelie Klopfenstein winning three medals uh, a couple of golds in that um, in the alpine skiing uh, Siri uh, Wigger uh, in the cross country I was at and she won two golds and a silver was very upset with the silver um, but still um, she was looking at it as professionally as she possibly could and when you talk to them these are athletes who are on a trajectory and they know that these medals will mean uh, huge amounts in years to come that's david eason who was in lausanne in switzerland covering the youth olympics and he said the event represents a brilliant opportunity for the young athletes taking part they've made it as close to the real thing as possible and and that can only be good for some of these young athletes and well all of them really who are experiencing a massive stage to work on and getting all the great experience that, that that they need. It's fantastic. And the work that they put in is just as astonishing as every other Olympian that you would talk to has, has won a medal. Um, one of the cross-country skiers um, who won a gold, he told me that he had done 7,000 kilometres a year for the last six years, and he's 16. That's how you win an Olympic gold medal. And finally, David told us about the Youth Olympics that the event will continue to thrive, in his opinion, but the IOC need to choose the venue carefully in the future. The majority of us were spread out and around kind of Lake Geneva. I was at one point an hour and a half one way away from uh, Lausanne uh, up in the mountains at Les Diablerettes for the the alpine skiing. Uh, And then we went up up to Lausanne as well, which was amazing for the half pipe. But again, an hour and a half away from Lausanne. Uh, and then we were an hour the other way for the cross country uh, over at Valle de Joux. Not forgetting that the, the San Moritz lot who went out there to do the speed skating and the, uh, the bobsleigh and all those events, they were four and a half hours away. And that did feel as if they were completely cut off from the game. So that, that's tricky. You can understand why they took it to Lausanne because it is the home of the Olympics and they're very proud of that. But... Whether there was a feeling that we could all get together and, and experience the games, I'm not sure. Sheffield-based journalist David Eason, who's just recently arrived back from Switzerland and Lausanne at the Youth Olympics. Well done to all the young medalists there from across the globe. Let's stay with winter sport now on anything but footy. Say congratulations to Katie Ormerod, who's won a silver medal in the Snowboard Slopestyle World Cup event. She won a bronze last week as well. And it's all part of her comeback from a very nasty injury that's kept her off the slopes for two years. Great success at the World Para Alpine Skiing World 
World Cup for GB Snow Sport as well. GB Snow Sport have got this stated aim and ambition that we've spoken about to be a top five Olympic nation by 2030. Have won a heap of medals at the World Para Alpine Skiing World Cup. Millie Knight and her guide Brett Wild in the uh, giant slalom won a gold. There was a bronze in the same event for Mena Fitzpatrick and Gary Smith. And in the men's event, a bronze for Neil and Andrew Simpson. But quite the week for Millie Knight and Brett Wild, who also won a silver in another event, the slalom, with Fitzpatrick and Smith winning a second bronze. And Knight also won a third medal, another bronze medal, making it three medals in three days before Fitzpatrick and Smith won the slalom gold. Again, a total of three medals for them. And we ask the head of British Snow Sport, Vicky Gosling, all about that medal target and that number five position in the world of snow sport in our new Great British Bosses, which is out this coming week. So watch out for that. Vicky Gosling, uh, the chief exec of British Snow Sport. Looking forward to hearing what she says about that medal target and uh, position in the world, whether they can achieve that. Now, a strong week of action for British Judo, too, with two gold medal victories at the Tel Aviv Grand Prix in Israel. Rio bronze medalist Sally Conway moved a step closer to Olympic qualification in the under 70 kilogram. She beat Korea's Kim, a former world championship bronze medalist in the final with an Ippon. And then Natalie Powell also returned to form with her third Grand Prix gold of her career, but her first since 2017. Powell was ranked third in Olympic qualifying before this tournament in Israel, having moved back to her home in Wales to train and focus on Tokyo. And she beat Austrian Bernadette Graf, three-time world championship bronze medalist in the under 78 kilogram final could gb be moving up from that one medal they won in judo then in rio one medal was won in badminton as well but the signs are good for team gb's badminton players because at the thailand masters marcus ellis the olympic bronze medalist and lauren smith won the mixed doubles event they're the first english pair to win in thailand at this tournament and it's their first title at this level as well for a pair that are ranked 13 in the world Let's move on on Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. Don't forget, you can always get in touch with us via our website, anythingbutfooty.com. You can also find us on Twitter. Uh, we love to get involved with a few debates on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us there. Our handle, you can find us at anythingbutf. You can also find us on Facebook, on YouTube, and also on Instagram as well. It's been a very big week, a very big seven days in the world of athletics, not just in Great Britain, but also across the world. And there's been a bit of a wrangle, if you like, between the world anti-doping authorities and the UK anti-doping authorities. WADA are launching an investigation, as we know, into the Nike Oregon project. A British athlete, Sir Mo Farah, was at the Nike Oregon project between 2010 and 2017. And the WADA authorities, as well as the US anti-doping authorities, have said that they were like samples that UKAD, the UK anti-doping authorities currently have, they would like samples of Mo Farah's blood and urine. The UKAD chief executive, Nicole Sapstead, has said no. She says this is a trawling expedition and before handing over any samples, she would like to see new compelling evidence. And the point that she makes is by handing over some samples now that uh, it's not a lack of willingness, but she doesn't want to jeopardise the samples moving forward should there be advances in science. Lots of other things going on in the world of uh, athletics and particularly in the world of doping in athletics this week that we'll come on to. But first of all, John, just your, your reaction to this. Why, why wouldn't UK anti-doping hand over Mo Farah's blood and urine samples to this wider investigation? 
Well, that was the initial question, wasn't it? And that's why Mo Farah came out on social media, the four-time Olympic champion, saying, I've seen reports of my name in connection to UKAD and WADA about sample retesting. Just to be clear, I was not consulted about this, and I've said many times I'm happy for any anti-doping body to test any of my previous samples at any time. And Jess Judd, who is a rising middle distance and long distance runner for Great Britain, uh, should be going to Tokyo, I would think. Disappointed in UKAD, she said on Twitter. The amount of samples that athletes give and they won't retest and use stupid excuses as to why. Embarrassing. Why would people want to keep their data secret? And you wonder why athletics is dying, a drug-fueled death? Hashtag nothing to hide. I mean, that was pretty strong from Jess Judd. Mo Farrell was like, hey, look, I've got nothing to hide. You do this. And Jess Judd saying this is an absolute disgrace. Now, the only reason I can see looking into what Nicole Sapstead has actually said is that it seems to be it's USADA, so the American anti-doping agency, asking for the samples rather than WADA. And I was like, well, well, why is that? And I, I understand what Jess Judd and Mo are saying. It's saying, well, I, I'm happy for anyone to test anything. But I can see why Nicole Sapset has said, look, we can't allow a, a sample to be looked at because we then lose the ability to maybe look for something else in the future. And this is why if somebody wants to reanalyze a sample, it needs to be with a foundation. It needs credible evidence. Now, the UKAD had to release another statement midway through the week because, as you could see, the reaction wasn't very good. And it actually allowed, Michael, the Russians to weigh in. Hey, they're great, aren't they, the Russians? Well, you know, the anti-doping agency for Russia, Margarita Pashnokskaya, uh, told the news agency for Russia, TASS, the World Anti-Doping Code and WADA standards are the same for everyone, be it the British Anti-Doping Agency, Rusada or some other. Otherwise, the system will not work. Therefore, I believe that UKAD should not obstruct any transfer of samples. So once you're being told that you're doing wrong by the Russians about doping, you really are in trouble, aren't you, Michael? That, and that, that's, the, that's the way to look at it. So the UKAD listened, put out another statement and they said, we have not refused any request from WADA. To clarify at this moment in time, we've not received any request for the Nike Oregon project. And this seems in total contrast to what they they were saying. So my question, Michael, is why haven't WADA asked for it? Why is it the United States Anti-Doping Agency asking for it? Why is the World Anti-Doping Agency not leading on this more than a month since they said that they were banning Russia from sport for the next four years? It's an absolute disgrace. It's a real mess, isn't it? And, you know, the Russian reaction is laughable, really. When you consider the other news this week, that the Moscow drug testing laboratory has again been suspended by the world anti-doping authorities over more data manipulation. Now, the Russians are saying <laughs> that the uh, data was accessed from abroad, uh, but as it stands at the moment, that suspension stands and the Mo- Moscow drug testing lab, you know, at the moment uh, is, is not able to do what it has been set up to do. It is a real mess, isn't it? It's a real hodgepodge of, uh, you know, too many bodies too many authorities um, and no consistent approach here and as you say this should be something wada should be leading on um you know we know that the, mo farah's former coach salazar has been suspended for, for four years and there should be an investigation and whilst the the 
investigation doesn't happen or continues to, you know, just go on and on and on. Meanwhile, the sport of athletics, as Jess Judd has said, is yeah. dying this, this drug-fueled death. Now, all those athletes have been away in winter training. We've got the indoor Grand Prix coming to Glasgow very shortly. The indoor circuit begins. They have a, a circuit a little bit like a Diamond League circuit. Before we know it, we're going to be into that, that outdoor season. And then, obviously, we're going to be into the showpiece, which is the Olympics and the Paralympics in the summer in Tokyo as well. And all of this hanging over their heads. They need, you know, to get on with this, don't they? They need to get these samples, get everything that they, they want to have, get all the information, everything together. And they 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 need to come up with some kind of resolution because at the moment, whilst it, it hangs over everybody's head and it continues to go on with, with no kind of confirmed finish line in sight, if you like, it just becomes more and more of a mess and the public will trust it even, even less. Well, we said before Christmas when they announced this that they need to act quickly and get it done. It's now more than a month since Christmas. So this was all done at the beginning of December and they're not doing it. They're dragging their heels because they, you know, we haven't had even the Russian appeal at the Court of Arbitration for Sport yet, which we know will be happening about this ban. Now, I remember, you remember, being in Rio just days before the Games in 2016 and talking about whether Russia would be banned from the Olympics. We knew that they were banned from athletics, but they, of course, weren't banned from the Olympics. And that was just a day, literally hours, before the Rio Games started. And I said at the end of 2019, we didn't want this to dominate the whole build-up to Tokyo. But it's looking, as you rightly say, Michael... It's going to continue and continue and continue. And we're having the same conversations four years on about the same old problems. You wouldn't want to be the new man in charge at British Athletics who who have appointed an interim CEO this week. Yeah, exactly. He's got a big job in his hand. British Athletics have appointed a temporary CEO uh, CEO, six months before Tokyo after a troubled end to 2019. Not just everything we've been talking about, but Zara Hyde-Peters, of course, didn't take up her position after safeguarding revelations surrounding her husband. Now, Nick Coward has been appointed interim chief exec. He's the former general secretary of the Premier League, CEO of British Horse Racing Authority, as well as twice acting CEO of the Football Association. So knows how to go in and get stuff done. Good luck to him. He says, I'm looking forward to working with the board and all the team across the organisation at such an important time for the sport. And as Michael said, there is no more important time in British athletics than Olympic year. We wish him well and search for a permanent CEO as well. Yeah, I also just after that announcement just saw a little snapshot, if you like, of social media reaction. I know that's not the be all and end all. uh, But what I read... Plenty of people were complaining that they had appointed an interim CEO that didn't seem to have an athletics background. Well, I would put it to those people. And, you know, these are people that are probably volunteering at park runs this morning and people that are, you know, working hard, tremendously hard for local clubs. But I would put it to them that maybe the best thing for British athletics and maybe athletics in general right now is that they do look to outside of their sport, people that have experience of other sports, maybe experience of business in terms of the administration of their sports. Because, you know, these continued appointments from from inside the sport, and I'm not just talking about British athletics here, I'm talking about the IAAF or World Athletics, I'm talking about uh, WADA and, and, you know, UK Anti-Doping and all the other bodies that we've talked about, maybe actually it is time to start looking outside of the sport. Hear, hear. 
You're listening to Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic Sport Podcast. One other line in the world of athletics this week before we move on. Best wishes to Paul Blake, winner of three Paralympic medals. He's a four-time Paralympian, uh, well, sorry, a four-time world champion in uh, para-athletics and para-GB stalwart. He announced his retirement this week. Still to come, we'll be talking about table tennis. Uh, We've got some netball news for you, some rugby sevens and some boxing news as well. Also, we'll be talking about sailing and diving. But let's move on to cycling now. And the British National Cycling Championships have been taking place in Manchester. Some of the names, maybe ones for the future. Ella Barnwell won the scratch race to add to the National Omnium title that she had previously won. Other winners across the week included Johnny Whale in the kilo, also won the individual pursuit silver. Hamish Turmel in the sprint, Reese Britton in the points race and Lauren Bell in the Kieran. Elsewhere though in the world of sailing, Gold medal for Laura Kenny and Nia Evans at the Track Cycling World Cup event in Canada. And a great result for Katie Archibald and Eleanor Barker as well, winners of the six-day Berlin event. Emily Nelson and Manon Lloyd finished third. Remember, we're a month out of the World Cycling Championships in Germany. And a reminder, it's the last major para-cycling track event before the Tokyo Olympics in August this week. The UCI World Championships take place in Milton in Canada from Thursday to Sunday. Reigning world champion Dame Sarah Story, Jodie Cundy, Kadena Cox, Sophie Thornhill and Helen Scott all amongst the name of a 23-strong Great British team for the championships. In diving, the national championships have been taking place this weekend as well. James Heatley won the three-metre springboard event ahead of Dan Goodfellow. It's a first win at this level in the 10-metre platform as well for Andrea Spendolini-Ciro ahead of Lois Tolson. Lois, together with Eden Cheng, won the 10-metre synchro title. A strong start to 2020 for one of the new, or few, I should say, confirmed athletes picked for Team GB at the Tokyo Olympics in July. Windsurfer Tom Squires won the Sail Melbourne event in breezy conditions, thankfully, ahead of the World Championships, also in Oz next month. Tom admitting afterwards, it's been a long time since I've won anything internationally, but hopefully this is the beginning of something good in 2020. And the decision has finally been made for the NACRA 17 class for the Tokyo Olympics. Two crews of John Gibson and Anna Burnett and Ben Saxton and Nicky Boniface have been vying for one British Olympic spot and Gibson and Burnett have had the nod from British sailing. The 36 and 27-year-olds will be making their Olympic debuts after finishing fourth at the 2019 World Championships, adding to the silvers they won at the Ready Steady Tokyo Test event and the 2019 European Championships as well. And the same for Saxton and Boniface who performed world-class sailing too, but only one is allowed, so big shame for them. I understand British Sailing wanted to allow the successful team more time to prepare for the Olympics rather than continue the battle between the two crews. So they made a decision six months to go and it allows them to prepare for the Games fully. Gibson and Burnett joined the 12 sailors representing eight classes already named for Team GB and now there's only one, the Laser Men's single-hander representative who's yet to be announced. News on a couple of uh, British defeats over the past few days as well. Great Britain will not have a men's team in the table tennis in Tokyo 2020 at the team event. Uh, They lost to Hungary in the qualifying tournament, having already uh, lost to Croatia in the first phase. So unfortunately, uh, despite a win over Argentina, uh, Great Britain will not qualify a men's team in the table tennis. And England's netball has lost 70-66 to Jamaica in the Nations Cup leaving Jamaica and New Zealand in the gold medal match, England taking on South Africa for the bronze. 
England's men's sevens finished agonisingly in fourth place at the HSBC Hamilton sevens. After three wins out of three, France beat England in the semis and Australia won the third place playoff as well. Now, acting head coach and, of course, Rio silver medalist James Rodwell said, I'm really proud of all the boys and the team and the management. England women, though, struggled losing their first two matches in Hamilton and finishing sixth overall following defeat by New Zealand. Tickets are now on sale for the Tokyo 2020 Boxing Qualifiers in London. 77 places, men and women, are for grabs and prices for this event start at just £5. And staying in London, we know Samo Farah is back on track for this year, returning to Tokyo for a third 10,000 metre Olympic gold and his fifth overall. But to help his prep, he'll line up against one of the all-time greatest distance runners, Ethiopia's Kenisa Bikele, at the 2020 Vitality Big Half on Sunday, March the 1st in London. 36-year-old Mo has won the last two years, but Bikele is the world record holder at 5 and 10k and finished two seconds off the marathon world record last year as well. Mo says he's Really looking forward to coming back to kicking off his 2020 season. He says, I enjoy racing in London. It's my home city and it always gives me a buzz to come back and race. And we'll conclude this episode of Anything But Footy by extending our sympathies to the family and friends of Robert Archibald, the only Scot ever to play in the NBA. He died this week at the young age of 39. He was part of Team GB in the 2012 Olympic Basketball Tournament. So in the time it would take Usain Bolt to run the 100 metres 360 times, you're half an hour closer to Tokyo 2020. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.